Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Well, here we are. It Something must have gone right because we're back for another episode. Uh, it's me, the Talking Hands guy, uh, and I'm here with Tom. Tom, let's get straight into it. How do you think that first episode went? So I won it. <laughs> yeah, I certainly think so. Um, lots of lovely comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some good feedback. Yeah, I was, um, I was terrified at first, but I, I wasn't as savagely mauled as I was expecting to be. So that was nice. Thank you, guys. <laughs> but our audience is quite pleasant generally. I mean, they don't they don't often flame you, do they? Which is surprising. No, they should because you deserve it. I definitely yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> We have been pleasantly surprised, so thank you so much for all the lovely comments um, and for, for watching the video and playing along with us. Uh, we, we hope to do many, many more of these episodes. I might say, in addition to what we're doing uh, on the usual schedule. Um, but some of the, some of my favourite comments in there, uh, Tommy, you've got a few, haven't you? Yeah, some um, some some nice comments. Uh, Ivan Small said this was a fun change of pace. I'd also like to see some kind of watch journey update for Tom. Ideally, I'd need to see a wrist shot of that LV tambour on the wrist. That will happen. I think we might pace it out. I think if you were wearing it for episode two, then uh, we would have peaked too soon. I'm talking about ownership. And we we need to pace ourselves. <laughs> you need to pace yourself. No four hundred fifty thousand dollar watches for yeah. you just yet. <laughs> Um, yeah, look forward to that. Um, Louis, if you're listening, hook me up. <laughs> Jaywatch said, it was an interesting new take on your channel. Looking forward to upcoming episodes. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. Um, he also added uh, his suggestion for a title, which was Time to Talk, which is pretty cool. Uh, could be that. Yeah, we've had a few suggestions, haven't we? Um, Loads of suggestions. It was overwhelming. I was bombarded with title suggestions, so much so that I'm even more undecided about what to call it. Janos Spene said, maybe Upwinder. I quite like that because I wind you up quite a lot, don't I? And it's sort of watch related. <laughs> it's sort of best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. How's that editing coming along? Nah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on lunch again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one. Good suggestion. Um, what else? Jack in Photo said, Brilliant show, thank you. The title could be Watch Hobos, Watch Bandits, or Wrist Pagans. I'm of Viking descent, please carry on the good job. Always a pleasure to be informed by you. Tino, thanks Tino, yeah. 
I like I like those suggestions. Watch Bandits. That's definitely in my wheelhouse. So that's that's a that's a contender. Um, Alan Down Under suggested let's call the show TikTok, which is pretty Interesting. good. We could, Interesting. Yeah, we we could piggyback off a uh, popular application at the moment. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Some great suggestions um, and lovely feedback. Thank you. Keep it coming. Um, we will settle on a show title at some point, um, but for now, we'll just have a, a placeholder title like this. Really overwhelmed by the positive feedback. Um, like, you've probably heard the thanks, it really does help. It really, really does. The support that we get gives us motivation to do the stuff that we do, uh, and it also gives incentive for us to uh, to make it keep happening for Watchfinder as well. So thank you so much. And um, I'm really looking forward to doing more of this show. Speaking of which, what's our topic for today, Tom? Yeah, right. Well, okay. Let's. I've got a question for you first. Do you, Andrew, have a protective case for your mobile phone? Do you know what? This is not going to be the answer you want. I hate protective cases on my phones. I keep mine bare naked and I have I have an exclusive pocket for my phone. Keys, wallet, everything else goes in one side. The phone goes in the other. And it remains that I have an iPhone X, which I've had since it came out. Uh, I refuse to replace it with an identical looking phone. I don't need a camera that can take pictures through walls or from space. And it is an immaculate condition. No, I do not have a case on my phone. Okay. Go on. Risky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might then be interested in the Jaeger LeCoultre Reverso Tribute Enamel Hidden Treasure. Because um, basically what Jaeger wants you to do is walk around with a tiny lost masterpiece painted on your watch. Oh, right. So Reverso, that, this, is, this is the watch for anyone who may not be aware. 1932. Uh, you can turn the whole case over to protect the dial side and the crystal from from damage during a game of polo, as it as it was back in the day. So you have a uh, just a bare piece of metal on the front of your watch, the case back, and it's now it's now safe. And what you're saying is to take that piece of protective metal and put a very unique and expensive artwork on it. <laughs> yeah, it's what it's been crying out for. <laughs> I mean, the, the case back on the Reverso has always been a bit of a canvas for putting things on, like uh, engravings of initials and crests and things like that for families. And it was a very popular gift to hand out between dignitaries. I think the Queen's probably got about 80 now sure. that she's given and received in various different iterations. But yeah, the idea of putting a full-blown... Oh, so when we talk about painting, we're talking about not a doodle here. We're talking about a proper painting. No, not a doodle. Although... <laughs> In my art class, they probably would have got told off for doing it so small. <laughs> it does seem a little bit like the teacher has set a, uh, a task and the very talented but also very annoying student has gone, OK, I'll do exactly what you told me to do and painted it about the size of a postage stamp. Well, you didn't say what size you wanted it. It's brilliant, but it's very small. What paintings have we got? Yes, JLC are calling these a uh, trio, but I don't know why they're not calling it a triptych, seeing as there are three paintings in a series. Maybe there's a reason. Um, so they're all based on lost masterpieces, and um, they've all got very unique stories, actually. You've got a portrait of a lady, which was a uh, Gustav Klint painting, um, which was 
I'm not sure how it was lost. I think it was lost because he painted over it. It was a woman he fell in love with and then she died, sadly. So like a tattoo, when you replace a tattoo and you, you, change, you change the name of the previous girlfriend into a, a swan or something. Yeah, West Ham badge or whatever, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what Clint did when this uh, the lady he fell in love with died. So he painted a different lady over the top. Um, do, you, do, you think he, do you think he painted angry when he did it? <laughs> it was like... <laughs> No, uh, I think the, the painting's got a very serene beauty to it. Um, she looks pretty chill. So is she what was underneath the the previous layer? Yeah, so it was. It, 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 he painted one lady on top of another. Same pose, he added a blouse. And uh, uh, then there's a uh, view of Lake Geneva by uh, Gustave Courbet. Um, very topical. The final one is uh, Sunset at Mount Majeure by Vincent van Gogh, which is his typical kind of flowery, warm affair. Um, yeah, so all these all these paintings were lost at one point or another, you know, either stolen or put in attics. Um, the common theme seems to be that they were um, evaluated by experts and, and deemed fake. <laughs> and and so the the owner has shamefully had to hide them in an attic and then they've come out again and then been told that they were faking then put back in and and so on for a while and you think come on art world get it together but eventually they said yes oh actually this is real sorry about all those decades ago um <laughs> are you are you saying that uh, in order to celebrate these pictures that were at once point deemed fake that are have now been with modern techniques determined to be uh, very much genuine that Jeje de Coult has celebrated those by producing small forgeries <laughs> yeah. let's hope for let's hope for Jeje de Coult's sake that the pictures aren't then revoked in the future and, and, and reclassified as, as fake um, yeah. <laughs> that's great yeah so they, they've, they've come to light and now they're, they're being um, replicated rather amazingly by um, Jeju Lecoultre's enamel painting workshop and they're replicating them, you know, on tiny scale on on the backs of these reversos with incredible accuracy really, you know, matching colour and and technique and, and, you know, the style. It's quite extraordinary. You really have to take your hat off yeah. to those enamelers painting with brushes that are at times just one hair to replicate the painting on such, not just at the small scale, but to replicate a painting that we're talking about masters of their craft of the originals, even replicating that one-to-one -one would be an incredible feat and scaling it down to that size in a more difficult medium of the enamel and maintaining the luster and the quality and, and everything like that, just so someone can enjoy it when they fancy, just have a little sneaky turn of the watch over and put it back, that's for me. Yeah, amazing. And they've, they, they have matched the colours of the paintings to the, um, to the dials, which they've then guilloshed and enamelled as well. So, I mean, the dial itself is also, in watch terms, um, a, work, a, a of work of art. Yeah. It's not often that you say, oh, that enamelled guilloshé dial has been um, <laughs> pu pushed into the shadows by the case back. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah so the the guilloshé enamel dials um the three different dials are, are colored um to accent the masterpieces on the back um although rather confusingly i was not quite sure which dial went with what because it felt like one 
dial went a bit better with a painting that it wasn't connected to. I would assume the deep green one goes with the very deep green portrait of a lady. Is no, that not? yeah, no, that's not. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. But I don't think that's the case. The deep green one goes with the um, very warm, yellowy, light green Van Gogh, and um, the portrait of a lady with the deep green background goes with a kind of sea green tealy colour and then the the view of Lake Geneva with its sea green tones gets a navy blue dial so um, a bit confusing um, I'm still going to buy one anyway uh, but mm, yeah, yeah I'm, a bit weird I might hold back yeah actually. see how they go see how it goes um, I probably should add that I think there's only 10 available so um, it does slightly ruin the allure if they went down the Omega route and it was a limited series of 10,000 and I'm sure the artists wouldn't appreciate the challenge. Well, yeah, I'm amazed that they've managed to even produce 10. So uh, presumably they will, each one will be unique as well because, you know, it's hand-painted on each one. So, yeah, incredible. Have you ever been in the situation where you have uh, produced something creative and then you forgot to save the file and you've lost it? And then the second time you do it, you do it from memory. And at first you're begrudging to redo it, but then you redo it and you do it better. Yes. I'd like to see number one and number 10 of each of these. Yes. To see if I'd be asking for number 10. I don't want number one. That's the practice one. I want number 10 once they've got their eye in. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Or maybe the first one, they just sort of crash out and they're not really thinking about it and it's more spontaneous. And that's better than the one where they're actually like, yeah, I'm going to really try on this one. Or maybe there's a bell curve. The first one's not the best because it's the first one and they're getting their eye in. The last one, they're getting a little bit of... Um, they're getting a bit tired. You know, there's fatigue going on. And the bell curve, right in the middle, somewhere around five or six, is when they've really hit. They've hit their stride. They know what they're doing, but they've still got the enthusiasm for it. Because I, I have a low attention... To detail? Sorry. Uh, sorry, there was something over there. Oh. I've got a low attention uh, span, and so I don't. I don't know how you would commit to doing ten of the same painting. No. Like, let, let's not. Let's not forget the masters only did one each. I'm sure they did variations of it, but each time they probably would have been like, "Oh, I didn't like that tree. I'm going to put it somewhere else." Yeah, you've got to be dedicated to looking. At, and I wonder if the artists who did it also thought after a while, "Why did he put that tree there? It sucks." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like when you stare at a word for so long, it doesn't look like it's spelt correctly. <laughs> They're looking at this thing, it's just like, does this look like a portrait of a lady? I've been staring at this for so long. I'm going to paint over her with a different lady. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, that's, a, that's a great find. Yeah, check out uh, Jeje Lecoult's website for more info on those. Um I'm not sure how you'd go about getting your hands on one. I'm sure they were already gone. Yep. Maybe you'll um, have to go to the Louvre. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the Banksy edition next. <laughs> yeah. Which will probably spontaneously combust as soon as you set the time. I'd buy it. <laughs> okay, so Andrew, I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, guys, if you've got any questions that you'd like to ask Andrew, please submit them. Um, because I'd, I'd love to ask him stuff. I haven't got anything to ask. I've got nothing to say to the guy, so I need you to submit your <laughs> questions. Um, because, yeah, otherwise it would just be awkward. Um, yeah, so a couple of questions for you, Andrew. Shoot. Okay, here we go. Danny Simonau 
He posted a question on a recent YouTube video and he said, out of curiosity, does the hands manufacturer only make the hands for Rolex or do they also supply other brands? Now, um, this is in reference to a recent uh, In Focus Rolex video we did where you revealed how Rolex had systematically gone through and bought all the manufacturers that provided its parts, um, except for one, the guys that make the hands. Well, it actually turns out there there are a few more brands as well, oh. but very, for very minor parts like the um, the crystal and the rubies and things like that, which I think is fair to say that most manufacturers will source those parts elsewhere because growing your own sapphire is a very specific thing. And as far as I'm aware, one of the only brands that actually grows its own sapphire, um, which in case you're wondering is the same material as ruby, um, corundum, uh, is Seiko. I wasn't wondering that. No. <laughs> I wasn't talking to you. Um, so <laughs> Seiko, I was talking to Danny, Oh, yeah. um, Seiko is one of the, the watchmakers that does do everything in-house. Like It grows its own mm -hmm. sapphire, it makes its own batteries, but it's unreasonable for a watchmaker to grow its own sapphire. That's less watchmaking and more chemistry, I would say. Yes, so not all watch manufacturers make their own parts, but what about the, uh, the hand manufacturer that Danny's asking about? Who was that again? Uh, Feidler, I hope it's a pronunciation. And these are one of the many brands that exist in watchmaking that are B2B, business to business. You can't go to them and buy their products. So some of these manufacturers sure. might make movements, some of them might make dials, some of them might make cases. Uh, and there's a whole litany of these companies that operate in the background that will produce different parts for different manufacturers. So for Swiss made and in-house, you're talking 60% um, of the value. So there are certain aspects yeah. of a watch's value like the hands that are very minimal and so will uh, not be required to constitute in-house or um, Swiss made. So these can be made elsewhere. Fidel is one of the companies that makes it. Um, in terms of who else they supply, that's obviously a, a business secret. Um, they don't talk about who they make their hands for because that compromises the integrity of the brands they make those hands for. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think Rolex would be particularly pleased if they put billboard ads up saying the hands of Rolex. <laughs> yeah, um, from the people that brought you Rolex hands. <laughs> New Omega hands. <laughs> um, so I don't know, Omega might be another customer, they might not be. We, we don't really know. What we do know, because of the setup that Rolex had, where it's only been very recently that they've been buying their suppliers, that information is more readily available. Uh, for other manufacturers, that information exists, but it's trade secret. Uh, so other companies, I don't know. Who do you think might be getting their hands from another supplier? Okay, we'll leave that with you, Danny. Um, Andrew Schwaley, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your names, guys. I am a horrible person. He asks, do you guys have access to a Grand Deck Marine Tourbillon? The Freak was cool, but this might be cooler. Uh, I have no idea what he's talking about. What watch is he referring to there, Andrew? I'm pretty sure I've not seen it lying around the office. Um, no, we've, we've never had one of those in. Um, I think it, it may be cooler than The Freak. I'm not sure. I think what really draws me to The Freak is that it does what you expect a watch to do 
it has hands on a dial. It's very straightforward, but it's it's like it's like an alternative timeline. If watchmakers had decided that the movement should be part of the hands, and this is how far we'd evolved, and this is what watches look like, that's what that's like. Whereas, for me, the Grand Deck Marine Tourbillon is very interesting. You'll see there's some retrograde stuff going on there, but it looks more like normal watchmaking plus right. watchmaking taken to a, a, a new degree. Um, whereas the Freak is just a whole different approach. If we ever got one, we would certainly be putting it on the channel. And this is a nice opportunity to say, actually, that we are, um, for 2022, we are making uh, a lot of moves to try and get more of those really outrageous, crazy watches that nobody ever gets to see on the channel to show everyone. So if you want to see those, you know what you need to do. You need to press the subscribe button and the notification button and the donate to Tom's watch collection button. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Stay tuned for more crazy watches, hopefully soon. Okay, brilliant. So that's another one down. Yeah, that's two down. Only um, 486 left to go. I've got another watch I want to talk to you about, Tom. Yeah. But I'm going to have to save it for the next episode. What might it be? Whoa, cliffhangers. Created by Vince Gilligan. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.